Welcome to the Blueprint Podcast, where we throw out the old blueprint so you can become who you were always meant to be. I'm your host, Jason Smith. And if you haven't already, make sure you click the subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends on social media and tag me in it at JBirdFit. Today, we have hypnotherapist, men's coach, and body language expert, Kate Kelly. Kate, welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. Tell us who you are and who you help. Thank you. Happy to be here. So I am subconscious mind. So I've learned body language. I've learned face reading, obviously hypnotherapy, all of this to see really quickly into the programs that somebody is running that is dictating their lives. I do specialize in working with men, in particular men that fall into that category of constantly being friend zoned, finding themselves being more sensitive than maybe they feel that they should be struggling with people pleasing, things like that. And all of that really just comes down to them not being able to be fully present in their body where their sex energy is and fully owning their truth. And so I work with a lot of men with that. I have a course around that and that's what I do. What made you get into that? So the men part happened later. I actually originally got into this type of work with the subconscious mind because I had a, a spiritual awakening when I was 14. Okay. I'd call it. I literally one day when I was 14, it was like a lightning bolt hit, hit me and I was like, I have to be an energy healer. So I actually studied and I traveled around the US in high school studying energy healing. And then I started seeing clients when I was 16. So I've been on this path for a long time. I'm 34 tomorrow. So many years. And Happy birthday. Thank you. And I had posted on TikTok a video for sensitive men and it went viral. And I was, wow, that's so interesting. I, this, is, this is a niche. This is something that men are really relating to. I've always, um, like I love men. <laughs> I really do. I have a reverence for the masculine. I enjoy masculine company. And so I don't know, it just took off from there and more men started coming into my field and created a course around it. A lot of my clients are men and took off from there. So what do you think are some of the biggest challenges the the men who approach you for guidance are facing right now? I would say that a lot of the men that approach me for guidance, they're facing this struggle between they're constantly like, I'm so nice. And like, why is that not working? Like, why is it that women say, at least in the dating meeting world, like, why is it that women say that they want a nice guy and then they go ahead and behave that way and then it ends up not being what the woman wants and what to do instead? And when so they say they're being nice, how exactly are they showing up? What does that look like? Probably being very, like, agreeable, being very, with, like I said, with the people-pleasing tendencies, foregoing their own kind of masculine directive to appease women or appease the people around them and it's just not sexy and it's not nice this that's the problem it's the fact that like they have a wavering masculine core they're not connected to their ultimate truth probably because when they were little they're being raised they had a highly sensitive nervous system and it just it distorted their sense of truth within them and how can somebody that's going through that or identifies as the quintessential nice guy, how can they begin? What's the path look like to finding that truth that's already inside of them? I'll explain it in this way. And this is true if you're a man. This is true if you're just a human being in general. So it doesn't have to be just for men. But 
the thing that I always come back to is that your emotions, your feelings are not random. They're, your body doesn't just randomly generate feelings and emotions for no reason. And the problem that men get into in that dynamic that we were just talking about is that they will have feelings that arise within them. But because of their upbringing, typically, they have been taught to push down those feelings, reject them. I can't be angry. Oh, I can't feel that. That's not correct to feel. They don't, nobody knows what the fuck to do with their feelings. We're not taught this. We're not taught it by parents. We're not taught it by schools. We're really not taught anything around our emotional health. And so the first inclination is to push it away. But when you push away your feelings, you're also pushing away the inherent truth, your inherent needs, your inherent desires that are wrapped up within those negative feelings. So for a man on this path of really of having a, a sensitive nervous system, but also wanting to be rooted in his masculinity, he has to meet his emotions and his feelings without them taking over and without him pushing them away. And that's like the that's the golden ticket. And then how to integrate those bodily somatic sensations into his life. There's an echo on. Did you see that there's an echo on Instagram? Yeah, there's not much I can do about that. Instagram okay. doesn't let you completely mute the sound. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately. Because okay. every, everything's off on here and connected through headphones. Okay. All right. Sorry, guys. If it's too much, then just head over to Facebook and you can watch it there without any echo. So when we're invalidated by the people that are closest to us, that can leave behind an imprint in the body, right? In our nervous system, because we're having a piece of our reality being denied in a sense that my truth, I'm trying to let this out. I'm trying to express it. I'm trying to feel it. But you get met with the other person in your life saying, oh, that's not what you feel or that's not real or that's not a big deal. Right. And and you're right, it leads to this place of suppression. And it's why I talk about this so often that when we get into things like stoicism, it gets a bad rap because I think a lot of people misunderstand it. Mm -hmm. And it's not a suppression of feeling, it's a management of feeling. Yeah. And so you're beginning to manage your emotions, your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And this is why I'm so keen on journaling and the importance of journaling. Mm -hmm. Once you get that pen to paper, what you're doing is you're opening up the creative outlet in your mind and the curiosity starts to flow naturally. So you're, you start writing things out and people are always like, I don't know how to journal. I don't know how to start this. Right. And I actually have a journal journaling guide in my stand store. So go get that. It'll help you get started. But as we start to do this, you're putting down your thoughts, feelings, and emotions down onto paper, and you begin to manage those things that are troubling you the most. And it takes a little bit of time right. to get used to this, but as you go through it, it actually has this cathartic effect where you start to relax a little bit more. You might notice right. that um, you're just more calm overall. And when you reach that point, you're moving into your parasympathetic nervous system, you're going to start getting answers, that inner guidance that just tends to right. flow towards you. And that's really a magnificent place to be. So I always tell people, men in general, that if you're struggling with this nice guy syndrome, if you're in this place, mm -hmm. it's because you haven't truly met yourself. You don't know oh. who, who you are, where you're going, what you're doing, or why you're doing it. And right. so we need to get really clear on those answers. Yeah, a hundred percent. One of the one of the journaling techniques that I really love around getting clear about where you're going is to think about it as if you really want something, but you're vague about it, 
or if you really want to go to a tropical place, but you're vague, you're like, I want there to be palm trees and warm ocean. Mm-hmm. You get in your car and you start driving. You're fucking get there. Like you're going to drive and drive. You're never going to get there. And then you're going to start beating yourself up of, oh, shit, I really wanted this thing, but I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. I can't do it. Nobody likes me. I guess I'll never have this, blah, 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 blah. And basically your subconscious mind, the part that's just below your conscious awareness, pulls out this filing cabinet of meanings that have been placed on you in the past. It starts pulling them out of the filing cabinet, placing it on your reality. And it creates this negative feedback loop where then, yeah, you're never going to get to the tropical islands. But if you can use the journaling to really be clear, to really to put into your navigation system, this is where I want to go. This is what it will feel like. And then also, this is who I will be when I get there. Because the same version of you, or basically the version of you that you are right now is not the version of you that will be on that tropical island. You will have to go through a journey to get there. And a lot of the journey is around facing your shadow. Yeah. is around facing your limiting beliefs, but it also is around changing your identity. People get so hyper-obsessed with, this is who I am, and it's not. Everybody wears a mask. Everybody. No, that's the truth. But can you have autonomy and sovereignty over the mask that you're presenting and not a mask that has been like a knee-jerk reaction because of the fucked up things that have happened to you in the past? That's the difference. Yeah, I love that idea of the fact that we're wearing a mask, that we present ourselves in a certain way because it's really the expectation that we think people have of us. Right. And there's that Charles Cooley quote that I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am. And so we're constantly acting from this place of trying to be all these different things for all these different people. And you can put yourself right. in this position of almost being like a chameleon. So yeah. in, in these different groups, you're this different person and yeah. you act differently and you say different things. And maybe in one group, you're somebody who swears. And then in another group, you're somebody that was very straight laced and rigid and straightforward. Mm-hmm. And that causes so much confusion for the individual because you really yeah. don't know who you are. And so an integrated man, an integrated person is going to show up fully in their body. They know, again, I I go back to the same phrase over and over again, you know, who you are, where you're going, what you're doing and why you're doing it. You Mm -hmm. know what, you know what you're feeling. You're able to articulate that. And if you are unable to articulate that, then there's a little bit of work to do to dive into self-discovery to begin to figure those things out. And that's where you come in with your courses and, and the way that you're helping men. And I love that you're doing that. With your course, what does that actually look like? How is that set up for your clients? So the way that I have the course structured is I always teach that there's two sides to growth. There's the light side and there's the dark side. Neither one is bad or wrong or worse or better than the other, but there is definitely both. And so the light side is like that, the GPS that we were just talking about, the where are you going? Um, who is that version of you? So we, in my course, we start there. And so I'll use hypnosis to guide people into their subconscious mind so that they can, what I call it, download who it is that they're becoming. And the way that I describe it for anybody that is going through any kind of a change, it's where the mask that you have is in a box. Your nervous system's in a box. It has different freeways of neural pathways that run its course again and again and again and again and again. again. doesn't matter if it's what your ego wants or doesn't want. It's what your body is used to. And so for survival, your body will prioritize that. 
And so in order for you to really make a shift, it's not just about changing the little actions and behaviors of your life, but it's about getting into your subconscious, stepping outside of that box, getting into this creative potential of neural pathways that are maybe more like back roads off of the freeways, accessing those, running them through, stepping into that version of you. And then from that place, then in the course, I guide men into the shadow work. So we start on a high because the light is going to feel good. It's always good to be like, oh, you know, I want this and I could go there and I'm claiming this for myself and I'm claiming this for my future and path and this feels amazing. And you have to attach, your neurology has to attach enough pleasure and enough truth to where you're going to give you that feeling that's going to feel good enough to also then face your shadow. Because then when you start facing your shadow, as I'm sure you've done shadow work, it's not comfortable. It's not easy. No. You want to squirm out of it or try to escape it. So you need to know where you're going to give you that sensation that, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move through the shadow because I know where I'm going to end up. So then I also use hypnosis, inner child work, parts work, all kinds of different things to guide men into their shadow, to face their childhood, to face their relationship with mother, relationship with father, relationship with women, relationship with money, obviously relationship with self. And then on the end, other end of both of those two sides, then it's about integrating it. How can you take this information and apply it to your life and what changes do you need to make so that you're actually tracking change and you're not just spinning loops in your head? What is the first step of shadow work? The first step of shadow work. Very good question. The first step of shadow work must be having a connection and awareness to your body. Without yeah. that, it's nothing. That's it. I started, for me, it started with the question because you, you do the same things every day. You, you get in this place where you're living in the matrix, you're, you go to work, you've got the same systems in place, you're doing all the same things all the time, and you really get locked into just the pattern of your daily life. And you'll find yourself walking into work, looking back and going, is this really all there is for me. Mm -hmm. And it's because there's this inner potential that you haven't tapped into yet. You, you can feel it. It exists. There's this dissonance inside of you and you're sitting there going, I'm doing this and this is, it pays the bills and I'm thankful. I have gratitude. Maybe you've started that gratitude journey already and you're already like on that path and you're moving in that direction towards doing the shadow work. But there's this dissonance that's happening inside of you that I know I'm capable of more but I don't have access in what I'm currently doing to tap into that. Mm -hmm. And so you start asking yourself that question, who am I? Yeah. And it's one of the most difficult questions that you'll ever answer. But for me, that was one of the first things that popped up was who am I really? It's such a powerful question to ask because without that, you're a conglomeration of generational yeah. patterns that have been without your consent placed on you and it, and it's interesting not to bring up a whole like existential topic about no you can and, and free will and all the things but yeah. the wiggle room in that is that yes things have happened to you that are not your fault at all that were placed on you without your consent however on a really deep subconscious maybe even unconscious level the child does have a part of them that consents to taking on those patterns as a means of survival of staying connected to their primary caregivers. 
And so when you're doing the shadow work later on, if you can tap into that consent of, I took this on because I saw this benefit of it, then you, it takes you out of that victim mindset and it allows you to gain intimacy with your shadow. Because that's, I think we were talking about it before the, maybe before we turned the camera on, but you can't change something that you're not close to. You can't push something away. You can't reject something and expect to change it. You actually have to love the fuck out of it. You have to get closer to it. You have to see it. You have to get really curious about it. You have to bring it into your world and really put on the goggles of there's, my body is generating this pattern, this behavior, this feeling for a positive reason. Your body will never, ever do anything against you, ever. It's just that sometimes it has a very childish way of going about getting needs met. It's not useful. So for the men who are in that stage of being the nice guy, they're in that phase, they feel locked in. Are they carrying a victim mindset with them? And what are some of the key phrases that they let go or give to you that let you know that for for people pleasing nice guy syndrome sort of thing in particular it's usually that the major misconception that i see is that men will say i i am really nice i enjoy like i actually enjoy pleasing people and this is true for a lot of codependent dynamics as well it's not actually that there's a deeper truth and the deeper truth is that because they have a highly sensitive nervous system, meaning they feel things deeply, and usually they feel other people's things without that person, without them really knowing. If you're highly sensitive, you can just feel other people's shit. And so because they don't know how to set those energetic and also very real boundaries, their nervous system is overwhelmed because of the other person. And they're actually being nice as a backdoor manipulation to regulate the other person as a means to regulate their own nervous system. And it feels icky. It, it, it feels the manipulation. It's so subverse. If you just caught that, like it's like a weird undercurrent subversive pattern. Yeah. But to be on the receiving end of that in any dynamic of people pleasing, it doesn't feel good because it feels like manipulation a little bit. And, and you can't, but you almost can't know it because you're like, this person's being nice. And on the inside, your gut, it's just, it feels a little bit off. And anytime anything feels icky, that's of the flavor of disgust. And for survival reasons, we will distance ourselves. We don't want to be around that. Disgust is like our number, one of our number one survival feelings. I'm smiling right now. Because, yeah, why are you smiling? Because that was such a, I passed you the ball and you just, you laid it right up. Like you went exactly where I, I wanted you to go with that answer. Oh, so that was really good. And I love that you brought up that, that ickiness or the ick, because we talk about that a lot. We see it on social media a lot. There's different accounts that talk about the ridiculousness of the ick, but we don't know what we're talking about. And exactly what you just explained is what we're talking about when they, when you see those things on social media, where people are saying the way they chew their food, the way they show up, the thing that he didn't even do yet, but I can see him doing it. I envisioned it in my head and now I've got the egg right. and it's what all of that is all encompassing is you're dealing with someone who is presenting as a quintessential nice guy 
Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's that pattern of manipulation to get your needs met. And we don't right. often see it like that. And then we get into a victim mindset when we start talking about that. And these young men get offended when they hear it yeah. because now they feel bad. They feel defective. They feel like they did something wrong. And it's, it's not that you've done anything wrong. This is who you've been conditioned to be. And now this is a great time and opportunity to not only acknowledge that, but to start to challenge those things that those limiting beliefs or patterns that keep you feeling stuck, just mm-hmm. actually start challenging that, identifying it and to begin to process and integrate and move away from. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Very well said. And you're right. People, people don't want to hear that. It's easy to speak the pattern very directly because you and I are talking and, and right. people are listening. So it's not head on. Mm-hmm. But for you to face somebody and tell them that directly, it's usually too big of a pill to swallow. So it must be done through storytelling or it must be done through, oh, I heard it. And that person's making those connections on their own because otherwise it feels it's too much for the neurology to have a mask ripped off that quickly. You know, so you always I know you work or at least I think you work with people one on one as well. I'm always treading that line of. This is where face reading and micro expressions and body language comes really in handy. It's like, how much can they handle? Because if I'm giving them even just a sliver past what they can integrate, it's not useful and it backfires. So part of it is feeding them where they're at, giving them the shift and then taking them back, making that change and making that self-reflection feel safe enough to even venture into. Yeah, it's really that ability to meet them where they are. You're acknowledging their limited emotional capacity in this moment. It's not permanent. It's not a permanent state of lack, but in this moment, this is what you have the capacity for. Mm -hmm. So it's, I'll meet you right here, but then we have to take it up a little bit more and it's going to be uncomfortable for a minute, but we're going to navigate, we're going to navigate this together and it's, it is going to be okay. But that acknowledgement is, is so important. And I love that you talk about body language. And I was hoping that you could expand on that a little bit more and what that work actually looks like. Yeah. So with body language, the, really the body language is very easy to read. I can explain it in one minute and everyone's going to be, you know, far better than most people at reading body language. One, everyone actually knows how to read body language. And this is why connecting to your body sensations is so important because our animal brains are already hardwired to read body language and we end up missing things when our conscious mind like our ego takes over and goes oh no that wasn't a gut feeling so that's the first thing to know is <laughs> we're gonna ignore that it's fine yeah you yeah. Gonna, we're gonna paint that red flag green oh yeah it's <laughs> totally cool we've all done it so, yeah. so that's the first thing to know is like you you actually are already hardwired and completely equipped to read all body language with that said, to get into more of the nitty gritty of it, there's really only two types of body language. There is expansive, connected body language, and then there's contractive body language. And the body language that someone exhibits will always reflect what is going on in their limbic system. Limbic system just meaning their emotional body. So below their conscious mind, below their thoughts, their emotions. When you see expansive body language, which will look like a head tilt. It will look like leaning in. It will look like anything that's opening, sometimes exposing like the physically vulnerable parts of your body, like your neck. We're not going to do this 
if we're not feeling safe. Just not, we're not hardwired that way. And anytime you see that, it just means that you are connected to the person. That person is connecting to the context of the whatever is being spoken about. Whenever you're watching for body language, you're always attuning it to what's being spoken about. Like people ask me all the time, what if you just see someone with their arms crossed? Yeah, well, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you have to see the movement of it. If somebody is like this and you start talking about going fishing and then they go like this, okay, that's thing, right? That would maybe mean something, not only because of the arm crossing, but actually more because I purse my lips together and I leave. So you're looking for clusters. All of these things being contractive body language, meaning their emotional body, their limbic system, has been activated with a stress response. And it's very black and white. Either you're not in stress or you're in stress. And you'll see people toggle between that. It's really... There's many different applications for it. I could talk about it forever, but I'll keep it brief. It's really useful in dating for obvious reasons because you can guide the conversation to generate very positive feelings in that other person if you're watching for it. If you say certain things or you allow them to talk about themselves and you watch for when their pupils dilate or their eyebrows flash or their eyes get bigger, they lean in, keep going on that topic. Because they're going to keep talking about it and they are actually going to keep generating good feelings in their body while they're looking at you. And that's covert hypnosis. But And if anybody's wondering what the topic is, it's just about themselves. Just keep it going. Yes. Like, it, it really is that simple. It's not, it doesn't go much beyond that. It, it, 100%. People yeah. love talking about themselves. Yeah. I, I, I've had moments where it's just, I'm continually like following up on, on questions and yeah. it, it's innate at this part because of my job and stuff, but it's yeah. <laughs> then like you get like 45 minutes and an hour into it and they're just like, I haven't asked you any questions and it's like, that's fine. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so funny to do a quick story and I'm going to go back to body language, but yeah. remind that. So I have a 10 year old son. And he has been teaching his friends at school how to become friends with girls because all of his friends are girls. And one of the things, he walked me through five steps, which blew my fucking mind. It was so spot on. One of the steps was you don't talk about yourself in the beginning. He's, you only let them talk about them, find out what lights them up, and then ask them about it again and again and again. He actually said that the next step after that, after you have two playdates, is to then ignore them for a week. Even not in a mean way, not explicitly, just don't go out of your way to see them because they have to miss you. They have to find that feeling inside of them where they miss you, and then you'll be bonded. Okay, so that was my sidebar about my son. What are the other steps? I, I'm, I'm writing these down. We're learning some things uh, here. Okay. It sounds Because right. it sounds like he's watching Corey wayne Let, let's keep this going know. i don't know what he's watching or i don't know if it's because i'm his <laughs> mom and i'm we're all we're together all the time i'm, I'm the mom so it's, it's just me and him and i, I, I love that he came up with the ignoring that's because it's true. yeah it's true you know what yeah. and i have a course on flirting and fucking and foreplay for men i don't even have that in my course because i actually purposefully left that step out because i was like that's it's actually so effective that it can be so misconstrued if not used by a man with really deep integrity with integrity yeah because that's the difference that's a lot of people are like wow everything you're saying could be so manipulative yeah it can be 
but when you have integrity, it's not. If you're using it for connection and you're taking on that person's well-being as a part of your own, then okay, that's something. <laughs> and this is what I tell people. You have to recognize who you're dealing with, right? And just their emotional capacity in general. So when you understand little bits and pieces about the other person that you're dealing with, and we talk about this all the time with like anxious and avoidance. And it's just like if the anxious person could tap into their own sense of well-being and and pull back a little bit, they would realize that the avoidant would actually come closer to them. Right. And not run away and, and not want to distance themselves. And you can call that manipulation if you want, but it's if you can get to that place internally where you feel good enough to to create that distance and to pull away and allow the other person to then self-soothe and understand that's what they're going through. They're just overwhelmed instead of making them the bad guy because that's what we do. Um, avoidance aren't the bad guy, but they're just dysregulated. So you have to learn to navigate them. Yeah. So did a doorbell ring? No. Did a, did a that, mailman come? <laughs> That is the somebody's walking by bark. Oh, um, okay. The Amazon bark is very different. So, like yeah. more robust. Uh, it's more like I'm going to eat you. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> That's fine. Don't come to our front door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I will tell. I will share with you step one from my ten year old son because this is going to blow your mind. So, have you ever heard of the game that kids play called chopsticks? Okay. So chopsticks is like where you both put your hands out like this, like two people mm -hmm. and or maybe it's like this. I don't know. But anyways, you have to touch each other's fingers and then you remove fingers and somebody wins at the end. So he's one of the best tactics to use when you're when you have a target and you want to become friends with this girl is to play chopsticks. He's it's a very unassuming icebreaker. And the subtle touches produces oxytocin, which makes you instantaneously bonded. This is my son. Okay, child. He's not using that language though, right? No, he uses that language. Because I've taught him about neuromodulators and neurotransmitters. And oh so he my has goodness. A, he has a very basic understanding of dopamine, oxytocin, and serotonin. Basic understanding. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Yeah. One of his steps, like step number seven, is like anytime there's conflict, <laughs> he's do not run away from it. He goes, you lean into the conflict because if you can get through it, you'll be way more bonded after. I didn't know I'd be talking about my son, but it, but he just was. No, I love it. I think that's great. You just don't realize all the things that they pick up on. And then yep. to have that level of thinking and capability, I think is amazing because I was actually going to bring this up. There was a post by Lewis Howes yeah. and he had interviewed the holistic psychologist, but it was couples therapists noticed seven patterns in couples who quote unquote made it. And the first step in this was they had boundaries with family, which is that's obvious. Mm -hmm. They were also friends. They had been through really dark times. They let each other be themselves, which is just huge. Yeah. Because I always say it's not your job to fix or change people just so you can like them. And that's a lot of what we do is we're always trying to change the other person into something else and not allowing them to be truly who they are, to be that embodied person. The next step was they had difficult conversations mm. and then they fought. So leaning into that conflict, like your son was saying, yeah. is very true. And then the last one is they made light of each other's quirks. Uh, and I love that. Yeah, I love that. It's and beautiful. 
I had this conversation with a therapist the other day and it was, can you admire the person that you're with? Can you show gratitude? And so when I talk to a lot of my clients, that's one of the first steps that we go through is that gratitude list. And it goes beyond, I'm thankful for air and I'm thankful for all these material right. things that I have as well. But can you come up with three things that you're grateful for in your partner? Mm -hmm. and, and how many days can you keep that going? Yeah. Hopefully for a lifetime, right? We, we want to find, we want to be able to find all of that, but yeah, um, we get into that place of conflict a lot of the times because we're not sympathetic to the other person's inner world and what's happening there, but we're also not curious enough to go there with them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's the curiosity. They're, they're not curious enough to go there with them and they don't have the ability yet to take right. their own perceptions and projections out of it to meet them there. Right? Do you find this? It's almost like they think that by meeting them there, they're validating something that they believe is not correct. And they, it's like it becomes very black and white. And yeah. it's not that. It's not that at all. It's what what really is even truth. Like just because you believe something doesn't, you know, it doesn't make it true. There's, to me, there's always wiggle room. Yeah. So that that's always a really tough thing to get through, right? Because I have my truth. You have your truth. And we're living in the same household, but our truths aren't lining up. And so how can we get to a place where's, where there's that common ground, where the that Venn diagram that everybody loves, right? Where there's yeah. that, that overlap of my world and, and your world. And the key to that is curiosity. Yes. I think the key to so many things is curiosity because without yeah. curiosity, you're in judgment. And if you're in judgment, you're actually, I actually don't think you're in total reality if you're in judgment because there is a, an aspect of you that is pushing against something and then an aspect of you that is saying that you're not. And so it's, it's a fragmentation. You're never going to find total healing in that state. What does total healing even look like? I think it's a little elusive. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's, there's such a thing as total healing. It's like, like that secure person that everybody talks about that seems to be pretty elusive out there in the dating world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've had it just because of what I do online. I'm curious if you've experienced this as well, where sometimes I'll date people and they, sometimes they know about what I do online and sometimes they don't, but if they do, they create this perception as if, is that the Amazon bark? No, that's another dog. Oh, you're so perceptive of your, your animal. We see each other every day. Yes. Yeah. So that makes sense. <laughs> every day for the past six and a half years. Yeah. My kids, every day. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So they have this perception of that I have no, that I'm totally healed or that I have no more shadows left or I have, that I'm always perfect in my communication and everything and then as soon as something comes up they're like it kind of they'll say something i've had it happen just a couple of times where they're like i don't know i don't remember exactly what they said but it kind of messes with them. even i had commented and you ended up making a video on that you come off as very integrated and mm -hmm. very much in you're feminine. And, and so yeah. you're showing up with this energy that's embodied and it's flowing and it's kind and it feels nurturing, even just coming through your videos. And that's Amazon. Amazon. 
Oh, that's the That's all my nieces and nephews stuff that I got them for the holidays. Oh, oh cute. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's, this is like one of those things, right? When you go to speak, she starts barking again and you're like. <laughs> so I had even said that here, girl, that it feels like you're telling a secret because you come off as being so integrated. And like I said, in that flowing and you use your body language really well and that expression of yourself that it just, it pulls people in and it sucks people in. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. I like to think of myself as quite integrated. Like I, I do live and breathe shadow work. Someone the other day was like, Why, you seem so happy and so positive, like all the time. And I'm like, that's because I deliberately every day look at my shadow. Yeah. Like ev I don't wait for it to creep up on me and not to say that it okay. sometimes it does, but I don't wait for two by four to hit me on the side of my head and stumble to the ground and have to pick myself up even though that has happened several times in my life i i work with my shadow again trust me i work with my shadow every day and i look at it and i cry a lot and i hold ceremonies for myself and i journal every day and i'm constantly sitting down into meditation not only to to still my mind but really just to be like what's alive in me and most of the time what's alive in me is things that are far less than desirable and then I have conversations with those parts of me or I integrate them. And I do that every single day. Like I do not. It's just so a part of my routine. And so I think it's because I'm constantly facing my shadow when I show up for my work or I show up online or I show up for the people in my life. It's I'm coming from a really genuine place of like feel full and complete. And that's a really big step is that you're constantly doing the work, you're putting in the effort, you're acknowledging the things that are happening inside of you and what you're experiencing, your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. You're <laughs> challenging these things and, you know, working towards that place of processing, accepting, and ultimately integration. Yeah. And these are all skills that we have to learn to hone. And right. it's not easy. That's why they call it the work. And right. I, I think so many of us want the easy out, like, where's the easy button on this that I can just smash and be like in this place that's like constantly happy go lucky. And it's, that's not real life. Real life is difficult. It's hard. And what you're seeing on social media is that highlight reel. And it's, yeah, all the videos are happy go lucky and bubbly and fun because yeah, that's the predominant spirit, right? That's like working through you. Yeah. But at the same time. There's a whole other world that just people don't see and life does get right. difficult. We do have problems yeah. and we do have to learn how to navigate that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And even tying that back into body language, which is one of the things that I have in the men's course. And then I also actually, I have an entire body language course if anyone wants to get super deep into the nitty gritty of it. Is that you cannot, one cannot control their body language. It's a subconscious process. And so a lot of the tips and tricks and dating of modeling with appear more confident, like putting your hands here or taking up more space. And I do have some videos like that because there is a surface level of truth around that, but it's the work. It's really moving into your shadow. It's really, like you said, showing up for those challenges, learning how to be regulated in the face of difficulties 
that's actually what improves your body language the most. That's why I have this kind of flowy body language. I'm not micromanaging it in my head. It's because I can, my nervous system, my limbic system, right, the emotional body can stay regulated for large periods of time, even in the face of challenges. And that's the number one thing. Like, there's no easy button. There's no, there's not like you can't press an easy button to be like, I'm going to go on a date later and I'm going to feel like the prize and I'm going to be confident. I'm going to take up more space and I'm going to sit back and be in that, that big dick energy and just be this man. If you're not living and breathing that energy in a lot of areas of your life, if not, all, you can't, your subconscious mind or rather your conscious mind can't maintain that big, dick, really confident, powerful, masculine presence in front of an attractive person or someone that you want to fuck. Your nervous system is going to go out of whack and you're going to start leaking incongruent body language. And That's then you're going to, and then you're going to get stressed out because you're going to try to manage, wait, no, I want her to think that I'm attractive and I want her to think that I'm this one certain way. And you're actually going to dysregulate yourself trying to manage a mask. And then it's that incongruency that is the ick, right? So like full circuit, full circle. It's an incongruency. It's not, hot it's confusing what are first dates like with you (laughs) i have so many stories i know you i had a first date oh my god i had a first date last week and it was so much fun right i love i really love dating and we had such a good time but we sit down 10 minutes into the conversation he starts telling me about all of his traumas, which is not uncommon for me. And he was, he, he was telling me stuff where he was like, I haven't told anybody this. I, my friends don't even know this about me. I've never told a therapist this. And he kept checking himself and he's like, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I don't know. What are you doing to me? Kind of thing. What were you doing to him? Nothing. I literally went home that night and I'm like, why does that happen? Because I wasn't trying to pull it out of him or anything, but he, at one point, he was a little bit teary-eyed because it was such a, a deep and intense conversation we were having. But he was like, you must view me different now. Like, you must think of me as, as weak or you're probably going to go on another date with me. And I don't know, I don't know what this is about me, but I was just sitting there like in admiration because you know what I mean? First of all, everybody is fucked up in some way. Everybody has a past. Everybody, it, nobody is fully confident all the time. Everybody has stuff that is going on for them. But I, I found it very attractive that he shared his heart in such a vulnerable way. And to me, it's, it's interesting. Like a lot of times the, the bad things that have happened to us is actually when you've integrated it, it's what, it's the most interesting thing about you. That's like the secret, like, Right. That, that you had mentioned, it's it's juicy and it's interesting. It's engaging. I know, but, but yeah. you should really refrain from trauma dumping on a first date. Um, and so then, so like, then like maybe I, just don't do that. Later, and probably he wouldn't have, but I showed up for it, and that's where I have to catch myself. Yeah, I'm curious yeah. what the catalyst in that conversation was because there had to be something like it unintentionally right it gets directed in that way then it's just something pops up and it's oh actually you're super cool i feel safe with you in this moment this popped up for me so yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say this yeah i'm gonna gonna give it to you and you're not gonna know you know what to do with it but your average person 
somebody's going to do that. They're going to try and give it to you. They're not going to know how to hold it. And they right. are going to look at you and be like, I'm out. Can't handle this. Yeah. I think the trigger was I had said, I'm a hypnotherapist. He goes, oh, so you must hear everyone's secrets or you must made some sort of general statement. And I said something about, yeah, oftentimes I work with people's traumas because it feeds into who they are in relationship and, and this and that now. And it caused him to self-reflect. And that's like, that's the storytelling. It's like, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about clients, but he's self-reflecting and it's bringing up stuff for him. And then I'm open and flowy. And so I don't know. It all just came out. I went How on often does this happen to you? So there was another time that I went on a second date and he had caught wind of the fact that I do face reading. So he's, and I will never do this again, first or second date, but he's a face read me. And I'm like, okay, I love face reading. So I went for it. I think I was one glass of wine in. And so mm -hmm. I didn't have that as it just, even just a little bit less of that filter to not go in too deep. I went in way deep and I start going down his face and talking about his past and he starts bawling like not a little bit crying like bawling and was like oh my gosh I've never talked about that and I've never shared that happened in my past and how did you know and he was really struggling he's like, I know this is a manly thing to do but I've been trying to be more vulnerable and he's like don't know where the line is and it really fucked with him face reading eh face reading what is that what is oh my that gosh the whole thing <laughs> give me the the short scoop on the whole thing okay the, the face because i've heard a palm reading right let me get that no so know, face, face this reading, isn't that no it's not that chinese face reading ancient chinese technique where you look at these structures on somebody's face to reveal personality traits but then you also look at the wrinkles and the lines on somebody's face to reveal repressed emotions that are subconsciously running that they're not consciously aware of. And you can see, depending on which side of the face that they're on, which emotions it is, if they're comfortable sharing that emotion or if they're not comfortable sharing that emotion, and it's, the face is also marked age. So you can find different emotions correlated to different ages. It is weirdly and ridiculously accurate. It's like not, it's not like a woo thing. Part of it is Paul Ekman's work with microexpressions has been proven that the different microexpressions that we're not consciously speaking about and sharing, they over time will make lines on the face. Hmm. And that is the nutshell version of face reading. And it's interesting because I wonder how much of that is, there's obviously some guesswork involved, but through the guesswork, you can stereotype and generalize certain people in situations if you have enough background on them initially, mm -hmm. right? So you can lead down a path and then through the micro expressions, you can just continue down that particular path. With You can, yeah. Some, and it's interesting because I face read people that I've, I know nothing about. And then I've obviously face read people that I've known for a long time and all variations in between. I usually will stick to really just what am I seeing on the face and not what do I know about them. And it, when I stick to that's when it hits the deepest because they're presenting as the mask, but the face reading shows you who they are behind the mask. And so oftentimes I'll say it, if I've known someone for a while, I'll be like, that's so weird. I don't experience you in this way and I don't know you to be this way but your face is revealing this about you. And then that's where the body language comes into play because they will have a very obtuse body language reaction that will reveal 
they feel about that information that was shared and then you can guide yeah. it in there. So it's fun. It's also really useful in, in hypnotherapy because people will tell you their problems and what they want in this and that. But if you know how to read where they're lying, then. Yeah, that's super helpful for sure. Yeah. And it's not a far cry to dig into somebody's pain from there. And obviously that's not the intent of using that type of modality, but yeah, no, I can see that, especially for a lot of guys because they're struggling, they're having a hard time. And so there's, there is a lot of pain that's often found behind the eyes and it's that loneliness, that yeah. depression, that anger, that frustration, that yeah. unseen, unheard, unloved, unlovable is yeah. extremely common. It is. It's so uncommon. And I think that's why I work with men. Cause like when I hear you say that, and I know it's true, like my heart because they have these beliefs about themselves that aren't true and then they can't fully express and get their needs met in relationship because they're holding their heart over here and presenting this other way and it's all backwards they've never fully met themselves yeah and their selves are so lovable that's that's <laughs> like my big thing is the most the parts of you that you think are so fucked up those are they're so lovable i love that yeah so what about the friend zone? Because you mentioned that earlier. And when we talk about dating, it's really hard not to at least touch on that for a second because so many people talk about it on social media. And of course, those questions pop up in regards to dating. What is the friend zone? How do people get there? And how do you get out of it? The friend zone usually happens just when there's not that, like when there's a lack of sex chemistry. You have to have, there has to be some kind of sexual chemistry in order for the friend zone to be not a thing sometimes there's nothing you can do sometimes that's just there's just chemistry between two people there's not chemistry between two people and sometimes with guys especially that are the nice guy it's that they don't want to step on any toes and so they completely leave their sex energy out of it or they're not inhabiting the totality of their manhood or their purpose in their life so they're not sure how to direct and how to be playful with their sex energy. And, and then there's obviously the pendulum swing of, of men that only lead with sex. And but I think that's like a different topic, not necessarily what we're talking about. Yeah. Obviously there's many different variations to all of this, but it's, it is, it's being comfortable in your body, which being comfortable in your sex energy, which requires you to also be able to listen to your body, to listen to your heart, to listen to when, like you said, when you're angry, frustrated, sad, lonely, feeling unlovable. And to be able to track those sensations to find a deeper truth. I really, it comes down to the inner work. When you've done the inner work, then you're able to more fluidly and autonomously connect with people via your heart, via your intellect, via your sex energy. And it becomes a little bit more, I don't want to say like in your control, but it just, it becomes more of a choice rather than some random thing that either happens or, or doesn't happen. Yeah. You, know, I, you, you learn to prioritize what you care about. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Because we care too much about what other people think, right? And oh, and, so and yeah. not enough about what are my goals, values, and standards. And again, it goes back to who am I, where am I going, what am I doing, why am I doing it? And being in that embodied place of recognizing when something's not for you and then saying, yeah, you know what, that's not for me and that's okay. Yeah. It doesn't make me bad. It doesn't make me a horrible person. It just means this particular thing at this time, it's not for me. And there's something else yeah. that is. And that, even just like that mindset alone for a man to embody, to be willing to like just sit back and 
if it's not a match to let that person go let it go makes sing, you sing the song man let it yeah. go <laughs> but it makes you more desirable because yeah. your your subconscious gets that feedback of i'm the shit i deserve this level i'm i am i call it prize state in one of my courses but it's i am the prize it's not a savory truth but nervous systems are always competing so to speak they're always looking for which one has the more authoritative state and which one doesn't and for a man to be in that authority of i know what i'm looking for i know who i am all those questions that you've that i love that you've said a couple times now yeah do that if you're a man do those every day because then you know who you are you know what you're looking for you can start orientating the background of your life around that and then when you show up on a date or you show up in a relationship you're going to be willing to say no to somebody that doesn't meet you at your level and saying no it like roots that in now that becomes a part of you i'm the kind of guy that says no when it's not a match and then you'll find that women will start leaning in more yeah it's interesting it really is that it's really the trick to modern dating is finding the path back to you and yeah. it's why i talk so much about self-love self-esteem self-confidence figuring out again just who am i when you're able to embody that and understand that and then communicate that and the words that you use to communicate to others about who you are mm -hmm. is a big one because we're constantly competing with our inner dialogue and that inner dialogue is what really limits you and denies you access to all these things that you really want to have with other people and to bring into your life, to bring in that abundance, right? To bring in we talk about abundance. We always talk about money when we talk about that, but it's the way that you talk about money is going to directly impact how much money you actually have. Right. And I don't think enough people really latch on to that idea because it's really easy to dismiss because, you know, it's a bunch of intangibles. Oh, so you're telling me I need to feel a certain way and then the stuff will come in. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the better you feel about you when you're filling all of your cups, mm -hmm. you present yourself differently and people receive sure. you differently. And then you meet new people at a different right. level, yeah. right? You're no yeah. longer, yeah, hey, yeah, you're raising your vibration. You're no longer hanging out down here doing the same things. You've elevated yourself to this new place. And within that, doors open up to you and all these new opportunities come in and you start meeting new people that introduce you to their opportunities and other people. So just recognize that it is out there for you if you're willing to be a seeker and to go looking for it. Yes. 100%. And that's, that is totally how it works. It's like you're constantly working with your vibration, which then aligns you to different experiences. And the hypnotist in me wants to bring it into the, what it actually does to your five senses. When you're in a, when you're in a certain vibration, your visual cortex is going to constrict around that vibration. You're only going to see, think, hear, and allow in opportunities that match that. When you expand your vibration via doing the light work or the shadow work, however, which way you want to do it, both are recommended, you're actually rerouting your visual cortex and all of your cortexes related to your five senses to expand, to allow in more, to allow in different relationships, different thoughts, different ideas. And that is, that's the game. That's how it works. It's, yeah. So I love that. It's that allowing in and receiving. It's mm -hmm. giving and receiving. Yeah. For so many of our relationships, we're in this place. We have this expectation. What am I going to get from this? What do you right. bring to the table? And it's like, it's really a give and take. 
It's yeah. not just what you bring, but it's what you can give in return. And it's that reciprocal effort and that reciprocal energy. And when I talk about relationships, it's always through the lens of a shared mission and vision. And mm. I'm trying desperately to bring back this type of language in the modern dating, because when you look at where you're going, what you're doing and why you're doing it, and you come up with short and long-term goals for your relationship, and you start talking about a shared mission and vision that we're in a collaboration that we're co-creating this together and we're building something, yeah. that's a completely different energy than what do you bring to the table? Oh, it's a totally different energy. Yeah. And you can, I mean, at least for me and probably for the people that are listening to just even tune into like when you say that, when you say those two different options, there is a feeling in your body and one yeah. activates a negative response in the limbic system. Which one? There is a contraction. It doesn't feel good. And if you haven't done the inner work and you have levels of relational toxicity where that contraction feels normal and makes you want to pull that kind of toxicity into your life, then that's something to look at. Because I think for some people, that feeling actually feels normal. It feels regular. It reminds them of their childhood, meaning they're going yeah. to subconsciously go after it. And I know there's so many different ways we could take it, but the first part of what you were saying of that you're... I don't remember how you phrased it, but you're showing up as a give and a take. It's my nervous system can relax. It's then the head tilts come in and it's, oh yeah, that feels, it feels good. It feels fluid. It goes back to chemistry that you mentioned earlier. And so can you expand on chemistry a little bit, like what that actually is and what it looks like? And is chemistry even really a real thing? Is it a real thing? I don't know. I, I want to hear your thoughts on that, but I'll, I'll give you my stuff first because I feel like maybe you have something there. So the way that I understand chemistry is that people walk around with checklists of once these certain conditions are met, bing, then I have a certain feeling. It's true for chemistry. It's true for attraction. It's true for basically everything. And when manipulatives <laughs> wants to be like, okay, cool. So if you you're manipulatives, only Wait. playfully. Only with integrity and for fun, but not for different ways. But it's useful in, in relationship. If you can understand that this person has a checklist, you can elicit that checklist by asking yeah. the correct question. But funny story, the way that I learned this was that I was at a class, I think it was NLP, Neurolinguistic Programming, and we were supposed to partner up and elicit each other's attraction checklist. When do you feel attracted? You basically, I feel attracted. I mean, you can go through in your mind, like I feel attracted when, you know, the person smells good and when they make me feel good and when I have a certain feeling in my heart, right? And when you're speaking, you'll notice that you go through the five senses. I'm very heavy into the feeling. Men typically, broadly, are more heavy into the visual. Women generally are more heavy into the kinesthetic, the feeling, but obviously there's no correct answer for that. And there's an order to it. And so when you have an order of auditory, maybe olfactory, this, that, whatever, you, your body then lights up and produces this feeling of chemistry. So that's one way to look at chemistry. Another way to look at chemistry, and, and this might be more of what you're referring to on a, uh, I think it was like a TikTok that I did somewhat recently, is that oftentimes you will also feel an intense amount of chemistry when that person acts almost as like a band-aid to a wound that you may or may not be aware of. 
And that's when it starts feeling like an addiction, a, a wound meaning like Because it feels home. like home. Because it, yeah, exactly. It feels like home, right. activates the wounds, but then outside of you, they are coming in and like soothing that wound. So they make it feel all better. And then in their absence, that wound is very lit up. So spiritually, I like to look at this as like beautiful, amazing opportunity, have nothing to do with this person, but now you know where your wound is. Yeah. Now, now you can locate it because of the feeling that it produces in your body. But people get caught in the trap of this feels so good. This must be right. This must be love. This must be forever. This must be whatever it is. Well, it, it is for. love because it's your version of love. Yes. It's your brand. Right. And you found your brand. And man, do I like that brand. So you mm -hmm. stick to it. And that's when yeah. we hear things like, oh, you're dating your father. Not literally. The person but is very hundreds. similar to that feeling. Yeah. 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 It's familiarity. The body will always prioritize what is familiar, even when it's not in your best interest. And as a human, we have a neocortex, which allows us to look at that and change those patterns. And that's the inner work. So I add into that my type. Do you mm. believe in types? Do I believe in types? I don't know if I actually, I don't know. I don't have a real solid answer. <laughs> Do you believe in type? No. Because so, you had mentioned something. So I know that I have a type. Um, and we all do to some degree. And it might not be a physical thing. It can be like that, again, that emotional aspect that, that we need, that we crave, that we start getting in some of those more dysfunctional mm -hmm. patterns in our relationships. But whenever I hear somebody say, oh, I just met this new person and they are my type. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hold up step back grab your journal start writing <laughs> because if they're your type there's a reason for that and that's yeah. when we say oh but there's so much chemistry you don't understand oh no i understand grab your journal grab a pen let's start yeah. writing because you're going to figure some th some things out really quick and what you're doing is you're assigning old thoughts feelings and emotions mm -hmm. to this new experience and so now this person that you've just met that is just amazing to you you're giving them all this stuff you're assigning all this stuff that happened to you previously to them so now if they do something that's similar to what you experienced in the past now we're also blaming them on top of that for the mm -hmm. things that happened in the past when this is a completely new person they might have a completely different response and you're really moving and shifting yourself into the self-fulfilling prophecy by mm -hmm. interacting in that way so when Ever somebody says, hey, it's my type. I'm like, hold up, step back, take a breath, deep nasal inhale in, let it out, <laughs> right? And then just really figure out where this is coming from. And then we want to make sure we're giving that person, this new person that has the potential to respond completely differently based off of their own set of tools, right? right? The benefit of the doubt. I think that's really important to do that. Yeah, it is. It's such a, it's such a useful thing to do with any type of feeling that is intense and overwhelming especially relationally because there is there's something called truth bias you know what truth bias is the mm -mm. so truth bias is what happens as as soon as you start to feel rapport or connection with another person your brain will automatically start deleting perceptions about that other person and imposing what you want to see and they've done studies that it happens as soon as you meet somebody 
even more so if that person has a first name that starts with the same letter as your first name. Our brains seek that familiarity and will start deleting information. And so to do what you're saying, to pause, to take the deep breath, to get out your journal and to put truth bias aside for a second, you'll be able to see it with clear eyes. How is this person really showing up? How am I really showing up? What is this chemistry about? Um, what am I pretending not to see that's actually here? You know, you can frame it in different ways because truth bias is a very uh, real thing. From what I understand, we cannot shut it off completely. That's so interesting. I think as you're going through that, yeah, you would get, at some point you would get emotionally activated in some way. And so it's the acknowledgement of that activation that again, can allow you to exercise a pattern, interrupt, clap your hands, yell, change, snap a rubber band, whatever it takes in this moment to pull you out of that. This person is so amazing. Oh my God, there's so much chemistry. Um, yeah. yeah, that's your clue to say no, step back. Take, take, a t take a step back. Yeah, and mystery is connected to procreation, which is like high unconscious reptilian desire that will overwhelm all of your decisions and, and feelings and everything. And yeah, it's just, it's an intense, it's an intense thing. And it's when that circuitry is ignited in your body, it's almost like you have this nervous system with all these branches, but when there's a really intense sensation like chemistry, you're tunnel visioning into this one circuitry and you're going to choose and think and believe and make choices and perceptions based off of keeping that chemistry alive because of procreation whether or not it's a healthy or unhealthy reflection of your past. So with, anyways, the pause in the journaling allows you to step out of that one circuitry, enter the, the totality of your full circuitry and look at it from all the angles just to check yourself and make sure. Yeah, for sure. And stepping into something you don't want to be stepping into. So one of the... People in the chat says, where can we find accurate info about face reading or get it done? I have a face. So I have a face reading masterclass. I want to say it's like $47 in two hours. That will give you, that will satisfy your face reading wants to know about curiosities. I do. So, face so two hours is about the limit. You can do more after that, but that's going to give you, that's like going to be a lot to, to chew, like chew on it. Yeah. If you buy the body language course that I have, the face reading masterclass is included in that. So if you wanted both, that's the best option. If you just want the face reading, I have the masterclass. I do face readings. They're 30 minutes. I have a link, like link, link in bio sort of situation on, I'm going to say it's on TikTok. I actually don't know if it's there anymore. I'll add it in. Yeah. You've got it on Instagram. Oh, I do. Okay. Yeah. Book, book of and, face reading. And let's take a rundown real quick, just so people know what's available and how to work with you. There's a free masterclass for men. There's face reading 101. There's mastery for men as well. Is that a, a closed group? Yeah. So there's the free video for men is like the 40 minute introduction work yeah introduction here's what yeah. my work is about you'll obviously benefit from it and then if you want to take it deeper you can join mastery for men or you could just join mastery for men because we've talked so much about it now and then i have a body language and face reading course 
and that's to use it in sales and dating in relationships. And then also my very favorite application is of self-reflection. Body language more than anything has helped me with self-reflection because it just does. Because your body will do shit that you're not aware of and you can find those patterns because your body doesn't lie. But your mind lies all the time. All the time. All the time. It's insane how much we lie to ourselves and don't know it. And lying's not bad. It's what we do as a human species. But but to know body language, you can catch yourself on almost everything. I love it. Yeah. And then so you also do one-on-one? Yes. And then I do one-off 30-minute face reading sessions. If you just wanted the face reading, I will walk you through your face. There's a beautiful concept in face reading called you're returning to your original face, returning to the face you were born with. And it's getting on what they call your golden path. You can make me younger. Oh, yeah. So wrinkles come and go in sessions. It's insane. But yes, you can disappear. Yeah, you can disappear wrinkles. Awesome. Not all of them. Some of them. So, yeah, so the golden path is returning to your original face. It's basically like using your face as a roadmap of this is your divine mission and looking at your life and figuring out where are you not acting from your original face. So I do have that available. If you wanted more ongoing work, if you wanted very personal, personalized hypnotherapy and personalized hypnotherapy recordings, which I do for my long-term clients, which is probably their favorite part of at least one of their favorite parts of working with me because I will create every month or two a personal hypnosis I'll put binaural beats in the back I'll give you instructions on how to listen to it and it's like it's hypnosis that speaks directly to your neurology so it's not some broad thing that you get on the internet that is where some of it some of the languaging comes and goes some of it activates you some of it doesn't it's every single word is for you to change so I have that. I love um, that. That's awesome. I know. It's great. I make them for myself as well. I, start, I started doing it because I was, it was homeless with my two kids at one point and we didn't have any money and I had nowhere to go. It was awful. And I was just like, fuck, <laughs> I have nothing other than this hypnotherapy skill. So I just started making hypnosis recordings for myself and entered this like weird, wacky state of play with it. And I was like, oh shit, it works. So I was like, I, I guess I could make this for other people. Anyways. No, that's really cool. So one of the things that I do, because I've struggled a lot and I discovered bilateral music and mm-hmm. bi- and binaural beats. And so I find different ones on YouTube that are available. And a lot of times when I'm in that more elevated state, I'll use that to go to sleep at night and mm-hmm. 10 hours worth. I wake up the next morning. I, I don't sleep 10 hours. I sleep more like six to eight, but but they're generally 10 hours long. And man, I wake up the next day, like I've, I have had a dream. I remember my dream. Occasionally I'll do what's called dream journaling, where I try Mm -hmm. to cap capture within the first few moments of waking the thoughts, feelings, and emotions and experiences that I was going through inside of a dream just to try. And again, it's another tool that you can use to manage your emotions and your thoughts and dive into a little self-discovery. What amazing, what an amazing tool by neural beats has been for me and for my experience. So check it out, guys. It's worth it, at least, to see if it works for you. Yeah. Well, Kate. All the tools. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Blueprint Podcast. What is your Instagram handle? How can people reach you? What's your preferred method? Kate Colley. Yeah, if you want to reach me personally, just message me on Instagram. That's usually the best way to do it. 
And then I have the link in bio and Instagram and TikTok has, you can look at all my courses. I think I have some links that pop up for the courses that are most popular.